This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. Uh, welcome to Main Corpse. We're back uh, better than ever. It's been two weeks since you last heard from us, so good to see you guys. Hope uh, hope the family's okay. Hope everything's going good. Hope you got that promotion you've been trying to get, I assume. I'm Matt. <laughs> and I'm Kelsey. And uh, we make up Main Corpse. You probably know us if you're listening to this. If not... Uh, welcome to the show. We have an interesting one today that I'm not going to lie. I'm going to get a little bit preachy about this one. Yeah, I'm going to get different. a little preachy uh, on this one. It's a little different mm-hmm. for me. I'm going to try to avoid the curse words today. And I think I'm going to do a much better job. My my goal is to get through one episode without saying the F word. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see. Don't hold me to it. Because I can't guarantee that uh, I will. All right. Do you want to tell them what we decided on today? Because you actually tried this before me. You and Brittany tried it and told me that I I had to have it. So Okay. So we ordered from a local place that just opened, what, like a month ago? Um, December 28th, if I'm not Okay. So just over a month ago. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Hello Vietnam. It's Vietnamese cuisine. They do pho. They do banh mi. Mm -hmm. They apparently do spring rolls. Um, they've got bubble tea, all kinds of drinks. Um, so and Vietnamese coffee. So we yeah. went in to pick this stuff up and we were asking them about it. They have a cold version and like a, uh, a drip version. Um, and it sounded really good. And okay. they serve it with a baguette, which is really strange. And I, I kind of want to try it. So I got the, the grilled pork banh mi. I got chicken pho. Chicken pho. Mm-hmm. And we got... What look like steamed spring rolls, I believe. Yeah. It's it was their veggie spring roll. Yeah, veggie spring rolls. So I'll put those in the middle. You can take whichever one looks more appetizing to you, okay. and we'll try those here in a minute. But first, I'm gonna jump into this uh, this bon me, which I'm really excited about. You're right. It's really mm. good. You just told on me. Sorry. How dare you? You tell on me every week. I know. I couldn't wait. <laughs> and I, I took a bite of this before the show started. So let me let me say, if you've never had a banh mi, it's a baguette split open, kind of like a hoagie roll. Mm-hmm. And they put whatever meat you want in there. Um, and they put pate, I believe, mm-hmm. is in there. Um, mayonnaise. And then they put the meat on top of that. And then they cover that with kind of like a, a coleslaw, like a... Like a carrot coleslaw. It's got some other stuff in it, too. Um, Looks like cucumber. Cucumbers on there, too. Cilantro. Cilantro, carrot. Um, and I asked for jalapenos, but I am not tasting... Oh, no, there's a jalapeno. No, they're, they're totally on there. Okay, cool. And uh, this one's really good. Uh, this is only the second... No, third bond me I've ever had. The first one I had was terrible. I'm not going to lie. I was in Utah really? and tried it. It was horrible. Okay. It was a chicken bond me that, that a place had made. It was like a fusion place. I hated everything about it. Uh, then I found the place in Morgantown that we went. I'm not going to give the name in case we want to do it later on. We definitely will. Um, and I had their steak bond me. Really, really good. This is probably better than their steak bond me. Yeah. And that, I can't believe that. very good. Um. I think they locally source their French baguettes, too. I, I think they must. It's a very, very crispy 
Yeah. Um, dilute, like it's got a really nice texture to it. You can probably hear it when we bit into it, mm-hmm. that it had a real crisp bite. The pork has like the perfect amount of char. It's a little spicy, a little sweet, and uh, just very, very impressive. I'm really, really digging this. And I'm going for the pho because I'm starving. So it's really good. The, um, the broth is kind of sweet. And I feel like I taste ginger. I put a little bit of all of the stuff into it because I like all of the stuff. When I get it, that's what I do too. I load it up. Yeah. I mean, of course, the chicken, it's, it's just a pulled chicken. It's really good. Um, they give you a really big box of stuff and a broth. This is this is a massive portion. And um, the picture we're going to post is literally half mm-hmm. because there is no way on earth I'm going to eat all of that in one sitting. My favorite thing I think about pho is it's just such a simple thing with a lot of complex flavors. I'm really quiet because I'm just tearing this bond me up. It's so good. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean... Very, yeah. very impressive. I, I actually kind of regret not getting a bon me as well. Um, you can have another piece. I'm going to cut another piece for you. I'm quite all right. I've got a I mean, lot over say, here. Brittany's not going to get mad. It was just so good. Mm-hmm. From now on, I'm going to go there so I can have this nice and hot mm-hmm. and have that really hot, too. Because the other thing I'm going to say, incredibly affordable for what you get. Yeah. Super nice. Super nice people, too. Yeah, and a really easy to get in and out of location. Yeah. Which is super cool. This is the closest Vietnamese place to my house now. Yeah. I'm very happy about that. Really well done. Mm-hmm. Wow. They also do have kids options. Not that mm-hmm. I think a lot of the people who listen to us care about that, but I care about that. Oh, yeah. You took her um, when you guys went there the first time, right? I did. We took, we took um, Millie and Liam both, mm-hmm. and Liam... Ate so many noodles. That, I, that kid was noodles covered in noodles. Good, so. They're very good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Um, I, and and here, so I would try the uh, pho, but I was telling Kelsey right before we started, I am super picky when it comes to noodles. Um, a, they have to be perfectly cooked, or I get really like not into them. Like they can't be too soft, can't be too al dente. Um, I, I really, really like them, kind of in that that sweet spot. The thing so. you guys don't know about Matt, because for some reason we keep picking things that he just really enjoys, um, mm-hmm. you're a food snob, my dude. I am not a food yes, snob. Yes, you are. I, I have uh, I have certain tastes. There are so many times you've come to my house, eaten first, and said, thank God your food was so good, because I'm such a snob about A, B, C, or D. Well... It's because I am. I, I I grew up on. So I first off, I grew up with a grandparent who could really cook, and uh, with a mom who I'm just gonna say I love you, mom. But not everything you made was 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 kind of what I liked. Uh, so I I quickly kind of learned what I like and what I don't like. I I really think I have a wide range of things I will eat, but when it comes to those things, they have to be done right. They have to be done the way that I like them. So, yeah, I, I guess snob. so. There you go. So. Um, a little snobby. A little bit. It's okay to be picky. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you are. <laughs> have you ever seen me turn down food, though? No. Besides the pho? Because it has to be, like, so hot it hurts when I you, eat it? You will try pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. But then you will tell me everything that's wrong with it if you didn't like it. <laughs> At least I'm not afraid to. Um, speaking of things I don't like, uh, let's let's get into these spring rolls because I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you, I don't like um, like peanut sauces. 
Yeah, I, it was. It's not a bad peanut sauce. I'd like it a little yeah, spicier. It's it's not bad. Like when I get a peanut sauce and like curry, it immediately mm-hmm. turns me off. Uh, I'm interested to try this with the spring roll. Um, these spring rolls are really, again, like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, they're very sticky, uh, and yeah, they're full of avocado. Um, avocado. There's noodles in there, which I'm excited about. It looks like. Is that mint? Um, it's whatever they give you for the pho. Oh. Might be mint. Yeah, and it's got that uh, that coleslaw, that that like carrot, cucumber um, kind of concoction that we we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Is it mint? Yeah. Cool. I love mint in uh, in these, and it's got cabbage. It's got a big piece of cabbage in there, and is that avocado? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. So. All right, um, I'm going to just dip in there. Go for lunch. it, man. Yeah, so here we go. Going into some territory that I am unfamiliar with. And I'll tell you what and I think on the other side. I didn't think I was going to like this, but I do. I like the flavors. I do like peanut sauce. That's like the one thing that I've been devastated over that we took away at work was peanut sauce. We had it for one thing, so it's gone now. And I, it still hurts me. So, yeah, I, I don't like peanut sauce. Um, I'm really glad I ate this before Brittany did, because I was going to give half of it to Brittany. The mint. Did you get a bite of mint mm-hmm. in that first bite? It yeah. is extreme. I mean, the mint is like... But it's good. Really good, though. It's really fresh, mint. Yeah, the... Um, yeah, it, everything plays off of everything really well. Mm-hmm. It's got a, it's got really good textures. I'm a yeah. very textural eater. Somehow that cabbage has stayed really crispy mm-hmm. when you bite into it. The noodles are just perfect. Um, it, it, these are not the flavors I normally love, but for some reason I'm really feeling this. Yeah, I didn't expect to like this, but I do. And I love when that happens for me because I am also a food snob. Well, at least you could admit it. Well, we couldn't do a foodie podcast if we just loved everything. We wouldn't be able to talk um, about the intricacies of flavors. This is the first time I've ever had anything like this. And mm-hmm. I am really glad I went out on a limb and, and tried these. Um, you're the one who suggested getting them. I love this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really like this. It's really weird. I kind of like it more without the peanut sauce on it because I don't think I like peanut sauce that much. But oddly, I do dig that peanut sauce. I don't hate it. It's um, really sweet, and the sesame oil is really at the pronounced. forefront yeah. Yeah, of the flavors. Um, Agreed. The The peanut flavor itself isn't, like, really prominent, mm-hmm. but it's nice. It, it's very nice. It's, it's really mellow. Um, this is going to sound really weird. I kind of wish I would have poured a little bit of that on my bond mate. Go for it. I, I really, I'm going to save that half for Brittany. Right. So um, I'm next time I go there, I'm going to totally get these again, and I'm going to try that. Because I feel like that peanut sauce would have been really good on that. A bottom. really good compliment to that pork, yeah. Yeah, because the pork was salty and sweet, and mm-hmm. that has that set, the sesame taste in that is what would have really set it off. Yeah, I think I would have liked it a little spicier, but aside from that. What, the bond me? Um, Everything. Yeah, you can ask for extra jalapenos. They did not put enough jalapenos on that bond me. I don't know that jalapeno is enough spice for me. Mm. As, as a personal choice, I like um, like red pepper mm, in, in my Asian flavors. So 
really good overall. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm very, very impressed. One of the better places we've had on this show. It truly is. I'm not going to say anything else about it, though. I was genuinely thinking the other day that we need to go back to Leonard's, and I didn't know how we could, like, circle back for the podcast. We could just we could be like, we like it, and we need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to, I sent you the pictures last night where I went to Jerry's and had their fried fish. We need to do oh, Jerry's so as good. part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So the place I'm talking about is, yeah, Jerry's in, in Grafton, West Virginia. <laughs> And just just to let the listeners know, they have a Friday night fish and chips platter, and it's like nine ninety nine, and you get an obscene amount of like hand battered fish and fresh cut fries with coleslaw and hush puppies, and it is just a knockout. I mean, it's really really good fish and chips. Um, other things they have, uh, I could take or leave. That's really good, and their beer is is very affordable. For people who are into that sort of thing. I'm saving half of the spring roll for Brittany so she can try. Polite of you. Yeah. I'm not saving anything for Michael. He can starve, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm dead to him anyway, so, Mm -hmm. you know. All right. So, I think we are safe to go ahead and get into today's topic. So, I'm going to warn you guys ahead of time. This one is, this one, uh, this bugs me. This one is is, is really bothersome to me. This is... So what we're going to cover today is a murder that I have been um, following the case since about 2008. And I was on the fence about whether or not to bring this one onto the show. But there's been a lot of renewed interest, specifically since this December, this past December, in this case. And I I think it's about time that uh, that we have a conversation about... The murder of Leah Hickman. Um, are you familiar at all? I'm not. Okay, so there's going to be a crumpling noise so I can get this paper out of my life. Sorry about that, podcast people. Um, listeners is what you would call it. Um, first of all, I do want to comment on, on a couple things before we get into this. Um, this is an ongoing case. This is an extremely active case. Uh, and when I say extremely active, I'll get into what I mean by that. Chances are very good that um, if you were following true crime around uh, the mid-2000s to 2010, you've definitely, definitely heard of this one. But it has gone very, very cold since then. There's been a few moments where there's been peaks of interest, and I'll explain why there have been peaks of interest during those times as we get into it. Um, but this is one of, honestly, I'm going to say one of the more tragic stories we've told on here and one that hits really close to home for me. Uh, so I am originally from Southern West Virginia, um, a little town called Logan, West Virginia. And my mom went to Marshall university. She was a Marshall university student, uh, for education and, uh, literature is, is what she went to school for. Um, in 2007, A 21-year-old college student named Leah Hickman disappeared. Completely disappeared. Um, It was specifically um, December 14th of 2007 that she disappeared. So we're going to get into what happened to her and what we know about what happened on the day that she disappeared. But let's talk about her just a little bit. She's about my age. Um, She was born November 22nd, 1986. So she was 21 years old, just a hair over 21, when she disappeared in 2007. Um, She's originally from a very small town outside of Point Pleasant. 
Okay. Uh, West Virginia. She was, by all accounts, and, and when you look at, at her life, when you listen to people who knew her really well, um, you can tell it's absolutely true when it comes to Leah. Uh, she was a very outgoing uh, person. She was um, a very happy person. She struggled with some depression um, in her teenage years, like every teenager does. Um, and by by everybody's account, she had grown out of it. Um, it is something that she had kind of left behind and she was an extremely, extremely successful college student. So she moves away from Point Pleasant um, and moves to Huntington, West Virginia to attend Marshall University. She is there for a little while. Her grades are absolutely fantastic. She's doing really, really well. She moves off campus. She didn't want to live on campus. So she actually got an apartment that was um, that was off campus, and she got the apartment with her. I believe she was twenty five year old um, stepsister, so she had a half sister basically, and she got an apartment with her half sister. Um, they were they got along great. Everything was going really really smooth, and we get to December of two thousand seven. So it's December fourteenth. The university is shutting down for Christmas break. Right. Um, it's a Friday, December fourteenth. When um, she is getting everything ready to go home for Christmas, she's packing her bags, she's doing everything she needs to do to get ready to leave, washing clothes. That's really important, believe it or not, getting okay. all that stuff together. Getting regular ready. move out day yeah, stuff. Yeah, regular move out day stuff. Not, And in her case, it wasn't even a move out. It was just, I'm going home for the holidays. Right. Um, so she was getting stuff ready. Her stepsister or half sister, um, I can't remember which it is, decided that she was going to go spend the night at her boyfriend's house. So she leaves for the evening. During the evening, here here's what we know happened that evening. Um, she contacted her mom and they talked about her coming home, what day she was leaving, everything like that. They were getting plans ready for Christmas. Um, and she told her mom, well, I'll call you later on and we'll talk a little bit more about it. She hangs up. She decides that she is going to go to McDonald's for dinner. We know this because one of the last people she talked to was her friend. She called her friend. Um, I don't know if she was asking her, hey, do you want to come and eat with me? Who knows what was going on? She called her friend, said, I'm going to McDonald's to get dinner. She goes to a McDonald's that's about a six-minute round trip from her house. Okay. Okay. So she goes to the McDonald's, she goes through the drive-thru, and we know she got her food and brought it home. We know this because there is a um, a receipt that's found in her garbage can later on. Okay. Um, so throughout the night, she calls a couple more friends, um, and at some point, her mom tries to call her, and it goes right to voicemail. Okay? So that's the night of the 14th. The next morning, on the 15th, her mom tries to call her again, and this time she gets the, your voicemail is full. So the voicemail is full. She can't leave a voicemail message. Right. Um, she starts to get worried, even more so when Leah fails to show up at work. She works at, um, I believe it was, let me make sure I'm right on this. I believe it was Dress Barn is where she worked. But she worked in, um, she worked in like a little, kind of like a mall complex at a dress store. I believe it was Dress Barn is where she worked. Um, and she was extremely punctual. She was always on time. She was always in the in good graces with her bosses. They said, you know, if she was ever going to be even a, a couple minutes late, she would call and say, I'm going to be late. Well, she didn't show up for work. 
And by this point, the mom starts to panic. And she calls the half-sister and says, can you go by the apartment and just see if she's there? So her sister goes to the apartment, and Leah is nowhere to be found. There's no signs of a struggle. There's nothing like that. Her car, which is a very, very bright uh, yellow Cavalier. I mean, this thing, I've seen pictures of it, would stand out anywhere. I mean, you can see this thing from a mile away. Super bright um, Cavalier. It's still parked across the street. It's not gone. Um, she looks around the house. She notices the... Um, the receipt in the in the garbage from McDonald's. She notices that apparently uh, Leah had been on um, had been on uh, MySpace at that the night in before. In two thousand seven, well. exactly. Said? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had been on MySpace. She had been doing a couple of things on there. So by this point, the family's starting to panic. So the dad comes to Huntington and starts kind of looking around, trying to figure out what's going on. They find no evidence of where their daughter could be. So by the time it gets to the 16th, so two days after she's disappeared, uh, she disappeared on a Friday, Sunday the 16th, they officially file the missing persons report. Um, at this point, they begin emergency Search and rescue parties all over town, outskirts of town, just going through and, and looking everywhere they can think to try to find uh, Leah Hickman. Um, her friends start to print off uh, flyers that, you know, have a phone number on there, say call if you've seen her. Um, they get really no leads whatsoever. I mean, nothing. Really odd, because not no one has even said they've seen her or anything like that. Um they go through the back and forth, you know, with the police. The police are looking. The family's looking. Um, everybody's trying to find her. Well, then the national media starts to pick up on it. Um, the family ends up going on, I believe it was uh, MSNBC, possibly ABC, something like that. Okay. And they, they basically plead, you know, if you know where our daughter is, please let us know. Um, the family also at one point apparently appeared on Nancy Grace during that, that that's unfortunate. Yeah. That five day span at the time was, you know, big, uh, yeah. Nancy Grace. Um, sorry uh, if you like her, but ugh. um, yeah, yeah. Just the, the example of what I never want to be. Um, <laughs> so yeah, all of this stuff, it goes back and forth. They're looking everywhere for, her. they, they get no leads. And then on December 21st, so one week after she goes missing, they get their first official lead. And it's not a good one um, whatsoever. So what happened was apparently around the apartment complex, uh, it, was, it was a little um, brick apartment building. I'll show you a picture of it. I'll pull it up so I can show you what it looked like really quick. Um and uh, they they find so basically they they find that the police have have shut it down so that you can't come near it. They put up police tape. They did okay. all that stuff, and they said we have an announcement that we have to make in a little bit. And I believe you know where this is going. Oh, um, no. They had found her body at the apartment. So this apartment a week building. Later? Yep, this apartment building is really weird. This apartment building is an old brick structure. I'm going to show you what it looks like. Um, that's what it looks like. So there's the apartment building. And it looks like literally every other brick structure mm -hmm. in a college town. Yep. So this apparently housed four apartments. 
there were four apartments in this. It looks bigger than that. I was going to say, me. what else is in there? But my understanding is um, it, there were four apartments. Okay. And the apartments shared a laundry room. Okay. Uh-huh. The laundry room was accessible by all four apartments at the time that she went missing. There was only one other person living in one of those um, apartments. It was a gentleman. He was out of town at the time and has an alibi. So he has never been considered a suspect. But what happened is upon doing a closer inspection of the house, they found a crawl space that's basically hidden from view in the laundry room. And they said, unless you were to shine a light on it, you would have no idea that it was there. Well, they go check the crawl space and they find a body wrapped in plastic. And they announced that they had found the remains of somebody. They didn't say who it was. They would not confirm that it was Leah. And it wasn't until about four days later, um, right around Christmas Eve to Christmas, that they were able to confirm that the remains that they found did belong to Leah Hickman. Um, the indication when they checked, when they when they did the the autopsy, was that she had been strangled to death. There was no sign of uh, sexual assault. There was not really, that I can find, any sign of a struggle or anything like that. So it all kind of points to someone who knew her. Uh, Because I don't think something like that could have happened without a struggle if she didn't trust the person. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So it's it's really, really odd. And the other thing that the police also point out is that it had to be someone who knew this, this apartment building. Because, again, it took them almost a week to realize that the crawl space was even there. Uh, that's how long it took. Um, they said it is, it's very hard to see. So somebody would have kind of had to know that it was there to be able to... Um, to know to hide the body there. Because again, they, they found her in the crawl space of the apartment building where she went missing. So, yeah. So did they look into the landlord? So they did. So let's talk about the landlord because that's where I was going to go next, because there's, there's a little bit more to this, um, that needs to be discussed because obviously at this point we know Leah was murdered. She was strangled to death and her body was hidden in a crawl space in her apartment in Huntington, West Virginia. So again, the first place they go is the other tenant who was living there at the time, obviously. And again, he's out of town. It's the holiday season. He's got an alibi for where he would have been um, at the time. So he's pretty much cleared. I I won't say totally out of the woods, but he's pretty much cleared. Was he also a college student? I don't know. That part I don't know. Um, There's a lot of information on this. I'm really just kind of going off what I know about it. Because, again, there there have been some sort of updates. And I'm going to share those here in just a minute. Okay. And that's kind of what I'm leading up to. Um, so he is, so the, the, the other person living there is not considered a suspect. They reach out to the landlord who happens to live in Florida. Um, he has not been anywhere near the apartment, but did tell the police that there had been work being done to the apartments. Mm -hmm. So someone had been, um, contracted to work on the apartments. Now, through one way or another, they actually, from my understanding, don't consider those people to be suspects, the people who are working on it, because, get this, they found DNA 
So they found trace amounts of DNA. The problem is the DNA evidence that they have is so small, the amount that they have, um, and it's so inconclusive that they can't really ascertain very much from it. So I would assume that at some point, whoever was doing the work on the building, they probably um, tested their DNA against the examples that they had. So keep that in mind when we talk about this. Because this thing goes um, a couple weird places here in just a moment. Because I've got another creepy, creepy thing to show you. So the case goes essentially completely cold. And they don't know... um, who the suspects would be. I mean, I'm assuming they have suspects, but they, they have no clue who could have done this to Leah. Again, everybody who knew Leah um, had nothing but kind things to say, had nothing but good things to say. So she didn't have any enemies that we're aware of or anything like that. So the case essentially goes cold. And it's not until 2014 that it comes up again. So about seven years after it initially happened, somebody vandalized the apartment building. And this is what they left. Okay. All right. So what I'm showing Kelsey right now, we're going to put up on uh, Facebook, on we'll put it on Instagram, we'll put it on Twitter. Um, in 2014, somebody spray painted the side of the building with the words, who killed Leah Hickman? Um, So we're talking seven years after it happened, somebody came back to the apartment where it happened and spray painted who killed Leah Hickman. Now, here's the deal. Looking at this picture, you guys can tell me if you agree or not. Um, This was painted by two. This was done by two different people. A hundred percent. Who killed and Leah Hickman are two totally different. Different paints and different people. Because if you look, so it says who killed, Mm -hmm. and that is clearly in a completely different color and in a different different handwriting style, right? Yeah, A different spraying style. And Leah Hickman is in a different shade of white and is, and and the the style of the, of the, the wording is completely different. I didn't even notice that they were two totally different colors. Like shades of white, yeah. I immediately noticed one has almost like a rounded writing. I would probably say a girl wrote that. Yep, that's what I was thinking too. I'm thinking <clears throat> this right here would yeah. be a gentleman. This would probably be, yeah, yeah, um, a woman's writing. So, what I'm thinking in the back of my mind is two people pulled up and they said, Okay, I'm gonna do who killed you, do Leah Hickman, and wrote it. You know, um, that's, that's what I'm thinking, but the cops basically what, what I've read, they, they're like, everybody else seems to think they ran out of paint with this one, had to get a different can to finish up the other one. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't feel that way to me. Um, so this happened in 2014 and kind of reignited the mystery a little bit. Um, I will say this, the city of Huntington to this day, they still do a memorial service for her. Um, so they still do a memorial service for her. They still put up blue ribbons all over town because blue was her favorite color. Mm-hmm. So um, the people in the community are actually doing everything they can to keep this case open because basically the police, their response to this is we have DNA evidence, but there's not much we can do with it. So all we can really do is wait until there is um, better science that can help us do this, a better process for checking it. Um, for, they, for they haven't that. used CODIS? 
<laughs> I don't know what all they've done. I do know that right, like literally right now, the and by right now I mean like within the last couple months, the Huntington Police Department is under fire for not doing more with the evidence that they have. Okay, so I like okay back when the Zodiac was doing his thing. And the college girl was, um, I can't remember what her name was. You do. I know you do. Was it Bates? I don't off the top of my head. I don't remember. Anyway. They, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. But this was what? The, the freaking 60s? Yeah. And they did a whole bunch of people from that campus got together and all did DNA evidence. Mm -hmm. But Huntington can't be bothered to check CODIS? <clears throat> okay. So here's what I have. So... This came up again. So let, let's let's give you guys a quick timeline. So the murder happened in December of 2007. Um, it went cold very, very quickly, even with all of the national media attention that came with it, because there was a lot back then. That's when I found out about it. Um, there was a lot of it. Um, and even with all that media attention, it, it fell off really quickly. Um, suddenly there, there were no leads, there were no suspects and it just, it fell off really quick. It wasn't until 2014 that it got kind of thrust back into the national spotlight when someone wrote who killed Lee Hickman on the side of the apartment building. Now it's been 14 years since it happened. This past December, 2021 marked 14 years and there were new articles that popped up, uh, because the father, so Leah Hickman's father, um, is still trying to push to find out who killed his daughter. He is still very, very active in this. Um, his name is Ron Hickman. Um, he still lives in Mason County where Leah was originally from and he is still kind of holding out hope that they're going to find who did this. Um, he has reached out to the Huntington Police Department, and he is requesting that they send um, the evidence that they have, the DNA evidence that they have, to um, a couple different labs, some of which are kind of well-known for being able to break open cold cases using DNA evidence. Um, however... I'm going to have to take up for the police department just a little bit because there are some things here that make a little bit of sense. Um, and I do believe that they've probably done at least partially some due diligence on this one. So as of 2021, this is their official statement on it. Um, the Huntington uh, Police Department wants to ensure Leah's family and the community as a whole that the investigation into the events surrounding her death and the person or persons responsible remains active. This case has also been reviewed extensively during the past 14 years by various detectives in an attempt to allow a fresh set of eyes to review the facts and evidence that have been obtained. Any tip or lead received on this case um, all, uh, on this case always have been and always will be pursued vigilantly. So that's what they said. I also found an interview with um, the Huntington police and what they said actually makes a ton of sense. And okay. here's what they said. They said that the information that they found, the evidence that they found that is um, DNA related, DNA evidence is very minuscule. They don't have a lot of it. Gotcha. So and if you test it, that's it. It's it. Right. So basically, the police have 
to my understanding, and I could be wrong on this, and if I am, please please call me out and tell me what's wrong with this. To my understanding, they have talked to these labs, and they have gone through what the process would look like. And the problem is, they don't think that they're going to be able to garner any more evidence than what they already have. Um, And they would lose valuable DNA evidence. So essentially... What they're saying is, yes, they could test the DNA and they would be able to tell me it's an Irish male uh, with potentially brown hair. And he's like, we we already know the information that we know. And there's not much more they can give me based on that. So in other words, that sounds to me like we've already tested all the databases. We've already tested the DNA through known sources and it's not there. So unless somebody can give us more specifics, we're not going to waste valuable DNA evidence that could be used later down the road with more advanced techniques. Right. So I don't think that they have given up on this. I don't know that they're doing a necessarily a terrible job with it. Um, I just think people want more information. They want to know a little bit more about what's happening. Um, and they could maybe do a little bit of a better job being more transparent. So here's my question, and it's um, not police targeted, as most of my things are. This is um, this is actually targeted at the landlord. Um, there was a murder there, and he still doesn't have cameras outside. See, I don't. So as of 2014, clearly he doesn't. That's what um, I'm saying. Mm-hmm. This man doesn't have cameras. Yeah. Because, like, no, that's. Re- I have cameras. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're not expensive. They're not hard. They're not hard to put up. It's easy at um, all. Yeah. Like, how irresponsible is that? Is he still like renting the place out? I've got my, so many. My questions. understanding is yes, he is. Um, here's what I know, and and I honestly. I'm going to be real with you. I, I feel like we should take a drive to Huntington because I'm going to cover another one from Huntington soon. Um, and and it's even more intense. Um, and we could probably at least go see if the building is still there because I believe they said it's on 8th Street in Huntington. Um, I'd have to double check, but it is, it is, to my knowledge, still there, yes. And it's still being rented. Last time I, last time I heard anything about it. Uh, but I could, again, I could be wrong. If anyone knows more about this, or honestly, if anyone from the Huntington police want to come on, if anyone who is familiar with her parents and their ongoing um, attempts to try to get more information, um, and you want to come on and talk to us, please do. We'll come to you, actually, and we'll, we'll talk to you. Uh, because I want to know more about this. So... Yeah, that, that's really all we know right now. And I know that the that her father is um, he's keeping the, the hammer down, so to speak, on the, the Huntington Police de- Department him. to to kind of push them to find more information. And he's he's going public with it and he's making an appeal to, to say, like, can we try to find who killed my daughter? Um, Good for him, because yeah. the squeaky wheel's the one that gets the grease. Like. Exactly. So hopefully he keeps doing it. Um, so here's the other thing that I do want to give you guys, um, and I think it's really important. So first of all, um, this is uh, this is some information from the father. These are some things that he had to say. Um, so I, I want you guys to hear this. Um, each day is difficult. The grief never goes away, and it's just difficult to deal. It's and it's just difficult to deal with a death by this manner. Um, We're always hoping and praying that we'll receive an answer and receive justice for Leah. But like I say, we have lots of friends, a lot of church members, a lot of different churches that have been praying for justice for Leah. So 
that's what he had to say about it. Um, he is continuing to push and prod and um, do everything he can to try to find justice for his daughter. Um, I am going to keep up on this one. And if there are any updates or anything, we will provide them to you guys as we see them. If you see any updates or if you see anything that I missed in this, because again, most of this is just off of my own recollection. I know there were a few other bits and pieces, um, but they don't seem so important after we know that she was murdered. So I, I didn't think that they were important enough to bring up. One thing I will say, and this is an interesting one, and if anyone knows what make and model her cell phone was, her cell phone was never recovered. Really? Her cell phone was never recovered. So that could be an interesting link. That could be, you know... You never know. Maybe a family member's over at someone's house one day and opens an old drawer and sees a cell phone sitting there. If we knew what make and model and color it was, who knows? Maybe it's still sitting around somewhere. Maybe it's the, the link uh, that, that we would need to, to figure out who knows something about. And I'm have. sure everybody already knows, but um, contact Crime Stoppers if you have any information <laughs> yep. about that. Our local Crime Stoppers, it's totally anonymous. It is for sure one of the best programs out there. Yeah. They, they help. They're totally, um, they don't take any kind of, um, what do I want to say? They take donations, but they don't, yeah. they're nonprofit. They're nonprofit. There it yeah. is. I was, I was trying to come up with it. Too. Ah, they're totally nonprofit, yeah. but they like, they do so much for communities just <laughs> because they can. And we need to do as much as we can. I am sure we have a local yeah. chapter that we can link in this episode. Yeah, not only that, but um, the the Huntington Police Department still has a couple active phone numbers that you can call for oh, this. Oh, awesome. So the police, uh, and I'm going to give you guys these now, and we'll also put them in the description, and I'll post them on Twitter as well. The police ask anyone with information about the case to call the Huntington Police Department at 304 696-4420 or if you'd prefer to remain anonymous you can also call um, 304-696-4444 where you can leave a tip or a lead um, and you will remain anonymous if you uh, if you do okay. that um, so there you go guys and again I will we'll post those in the description we'll put it on Twitter we'll put it on Facebook um, this is one that, that I, I really want to see this one solved mainly because the idea that we have someone who is capable of strangling a 21 year old college student to death and then hiding her in a crawl space of her apartment building, um, still on the loose. Um, it bothers me a lot. It really, it really bugs me. I have a lot of friends, a lot of family that live in that area. And the fact that somebody who got away with that, um, is still, is still potentially active, still potentially, um, Running around a free person uh, is is something that bothers me. So definitely, if you know anything, if you ever hear anything, if you see anything suspicious that could be related to Leah Hickman or to her murder, um, contact Crime Stoppers. Like Kelsey said, we'll we'll get that information put up. Uh, but also contact the Huntington Police. Um, it sounds to me personally like they're actually doing a pretty good job taking this serious. All right, uh, which which I really like. Um, so. Like I said, got a little preachy there, uh, but you know, this this guy is is fighting to find out what happened to his daughter, and I think he deserves to know this. I think that family deserves some. I uh, wonder if they have peace. enough of the DNA evidence to try like one of the ancestry sites. Maybe <laughs> that's been really successful recently. Yeah, um, maybe that's something. I mean, that's something that 
I'm sure we could email them and say, have you guys done this? Have you yeah. thought about this? Because you never know. You never know. Um, so, yeah. So, again, I'm, I'm going to revisit this one. I'm going to talk about it more. This one really bugs me. And I wanted to do, uh, I, I decided I was going to do a cold case uh, from West Virginia. And I narrowed it down to this one because I, I think it's the most pressing. People are still interested in it. Mm-hmm. And there's still a really good chance that they could catch the person that did this. And this is something so. I haven't heard on any of the other podcasts I've listened to. So. Yeah, and I've got another one from Huntington, too, that I can't find much about. So cool. I want to talk about it as well. Um, Huntington is a uh, an interesting place. It's got... A lot of uh, a lot of a lot of unsolved crimes going around, so we'll talk about that one on another episode. But for now, like I said, reach out, um, keep your eyes open, and you know if you hear anything, see anything uh, that could be of help, contact the uh, Crime Stoppers, like Kelsey said, or the Huntington Police. So there you go. All right, I think that's it for this week. I think um, that's all we have. Let's give one more shout out to Hello Vietnam. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. And, yeah, are you going to grab their address? I, I am. forgot to put it on there. They have a Facebook page that has uh, really nice pictures of their menu on it. Um, so, very cool. I know they're located in Bridgeport. Well, while you're doing the exact that. exact address? <laughs> oh, you got it. All right. It is 519 East Main Street in Bridgeport, West Virginia, 26330. And they are open, I think, every day of the week, except for Tuesdays. <laughs> Which is super common. I'm seeing a lot of places do that anymore. All right. So this has been Main Corpse. Remember, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google uh, Podcasts, and most other spots where you can find great podcasts like this. We're also on iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. And now we're on Facebook as well. We have a fa- we are, yeah. There's a thing where you can just play the podcast right through Facebook. <laughs> so track us down on Facebook and you can listen to it there as well. It's always free. If we start putting ads in it, don't don't bitch. I don't think that's going to be a problem anytime soon. (laughs) I'll just be in a jerk. (laughs) Um, All right. So this has been Main Corpse. As always, stay creepy. Be creeps. But, yeah. Don't be the kind of creeps that, you know, murder someone and put them in a crawl space. Yeah. Be the creeps who catch the creep who does that. There you go. There you go. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, if you have any feedback, make sure you let us know. And have a good week. Mm